Good morning to everybody today. Again, uh, my name is Michael Hall. I'm the pastor here at Sandoval on Boulder United Methodist Parish. For those of you who are worshiping with us on Facebook this morning, uh, good morning to you all. Don't really have much in the way of announcements to share uh, during this portion of our worship. So what I want to do instead is being that today is All Saints Day, yesterday was Halloween, uh, today is All Saints Day in the church, and those of you who are not familiar with the tradition of All Saints Day, it is the day in which we as Christians remember those who have passed before us, who are faithful followers of God, especially those who have been people that have been part of God's prevenient grace in our lives, helping us to um, come to a point where we follow Jesus. And so what I'm going to do here in a minute is I'm going to walk back to the back of the church and my wife is going to step up here. And we're going to have a time of remembering the names of those, especially those who passed in this past year, but also the names of any of those in your lives who were particular saints to you growing up as a child um, that you want to lift up in praise during this time. And I'm going to be back ringing the bell, the church bell with each name. And so I'm going to walk back there now. My wife's going to step up here. And we are going to have a time of remembering of those who have passed before. Okay, I think he made it back there. If we just uh, take turns calling out names and then I'll repeat them so that everyone can hear. Claude and Ruth Courtney. Claude and Ruth Courtney. Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson. Bradley. I'm sorry. Mom. Uh, Becky's mom. Lana Carter, Karen Norton, Debbie, Betty Jacobs, I'm sorry, Iva Zagal, Iva Markey as well. 
I apologize, it's hard with the mass and since I don't know some of the names. We remember all of them. Is there? Lawrence and Ruth Ella Hayden. One more time. Grandma and Grandpa Todd. Grandma and Grandpa Todd. Carlene Sanders. If there are no others, we will do, uh, you can join me in our call to worship. Come, let's praise God together. A song of God's goodness and mercy. For God delights in his people, crowning them with honor and glory. Let's worship together. We come to our time in our worship service today where we come before God and bring our joys and concerns before Him. Uh, both of those joys and concerns that we lifted up before worship this morning and those that press upon the hearts of those who are worshiping with us by Facebook and other means. Uh, we just pray that this will be a time for you to draw close to God as we Sings, sing this next song and know that we serve a God who hears our prayers and who truly loves us. <laughs>
Most gracious and holy God, we come to you today, your grateful and thankful people on this All Saints Day, that we can come into your house. And we thank you for all of those who have gone on before us, the great cloud of witnesses that now sits above us and cheers us on to finish the race well. We thank you for those who have gone on before, and we thank you for the witness that you have done in their lives. Gracious God, we come to you praying for those who are sick and hurting at this time. We pray that you would touch them with your healing hand and give them your comfort. We pray for those who are grieving that you would wrap them in your peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Gracious God, we come to you today praying for our doctors and nurses, our military and our law enforcement, Lord, our peacekeepers, peacemakers, and healers, that you would guide, direct, and protect them. But most especially, let them know that they are never alone, but that you are with them. And we pray for all who serve, but especially the friends and family of these churches. We lift them up to you. Gracious God, we pray for our leaders in government, both in our state, nation, throughout all the world. We pray as we come into this election week that you would make it a time of bringing peace into our world. Lord, there has just been so much division and anger and hatred in our country, Lord, and we just pray that you would bring healing to this country. And we pray and come to you asking your forgiveness of our sins and our failings, both of us as individuals and as we have done as a people that you would take us in our repentance and heal us. Father God, we come to you just praying that you would be with those who do not know you. We pray that you would use us as your ministers to share your love with them, that all might come to know the name of Jesus and be saved. Father, God, all of these joys and concerns we bring to you today and we lay them down at your feet in the name of your son, Jesus, knowing you hear our every prayer. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, we continue to pray to you this day, the prayer that your son, Jesus, taught us to pray so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scripture for today comes from the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 49. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you are doing. You're stalling for time because, you know, I am serious when I say if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret, so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, 
Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings, the God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom will be a fourth one, as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of the iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with, other, with each other in their marriage. But they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, 
for you have been able to reveal the secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was early November of 2016. I can remember it quite well. I was on vacation with Esther and the kids in Branson. We had opted to go on vacation over the Election Day and Veterans Day holidays since I get both days off with the state. Get more bang for your buck with your vacation days that way. Don't worry, I voted by absentee ballot weeks earlier. I can remember up until election day, it was almost a dead certainty that the outcome of said election was sealed. I can also remember going to bed not terribly interested in watching the election roll in. Sorry, I gave up on being passionate about politics and political parties sometime after college. Some people are Democrats, other people are Republicans. I'm a monarchist. I believe that the world is not ruled by men, but by a king. His name is Jesus. That is my political disposition. To my surprise and to the surprise of many that next day, I saw the election results that Donald Trump had been elected president. What will probably go down in American history as one of the greatest political upsets ever happened. The one who had been essentially written off had been elected to the highest office of the land. Now, the institutions of the political world do not tend to like surprises. They like uniformity, they like regularity, they like predictability. And the election of Donald Trump was anything but. Now, I refuse to take a public position on the president's merits or vices, but I think it is universally accepted that President Trump does not fit the mold of the traditional political establishment. Political upsets are nothing new, but they are, by definition, upsets. When they happen, there tends to be a lot of quaking and shaking in their wake. In our passage today, we get a little hint at this tendency towards political upsets in the political realm and how those of faith should view them. We also get a glimpse at the reason why I claim to be a monarchist. There is a king who is coming and we can count on his coming kingdom as sure as the autumn rains that are sure to come. In our passage today, and I'm going to recap from last week, Daniel is one of the captives of Judah. He's been taken into Babylon, and he has now been trained and placed in a position of, I don't know if you'd say power, but of some authority within the Babylonian government. <clears throat> now, the Babylonian government, although headed by the king, 
tends to be handled by a bunch of bureaucratic wise men. You might call them wise guys. But they tended to do a lot of their planning by soothsaying. They would look at the entrails of animals to try to see the future. They would look at various things in the natural world to try to predict the future and plan based on that. And they were also known as fortune tellers. Now the king has had a nightmare that he knows is more than a nightmare. And I'm one that I don't put an awful lot of stock in dreams. This is my view on dreams. Most of the time, they're basically the human equivalent of rebooting and defragmenting a computer. It takes all the loose random bits of information in your brain and compiles them into a story so that they can be effectively filed away. Or they're quite frankly the result of eating something that you shouldn't have eaten just before bed. However, once in a great while, and I think all of us have had this, a time when we have had a dream that we know is a little bit more than just a dream. And this is what has happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Now the king does a standard thing. He goes to the magicians and the astrologers to get an interpretation of the dream. This would be the normal practice for a king. If he's had a bad dream, he goes to his astrologers and they tell him the meaning. Now these guys are all on the government payroll and it's to their advantage to keep the king happy. And so when that kind of a thing happens, what you end up with is guys that are going to kiss butt and tell the king what he's going to want to hear. But in this case, the king doesn't want to hear what he wants to hear. He wants to hear the truth. So he comes to a solution, and here is the rub. He says, I want you to tell me the meaning of the dream, but so that I know that you really know what you're saying, I want you to tell me what the dream is too. In other words, he's asking them to read his mind. He knows that most, if not all of them, are hucksters and political hangers-on. But unlike our current president, who does have a penchant for firing those that he deems ineffective, Nebuchadnezzar would quite literally go headhunting whenever he didn't like what people were doing. He says, quite literally, I will have you torn limb from limb. And if you think this is figurative, think again. There is actually a method of execution where they would tie one arm to one horse, another arm to another horse, a leg to another horse, and another leg to another horse. And for good measure, they might even tie another one onto your neck. And then at the say of go, someone would hit all those horses and they would all run in opposite directions and you would go in all opposite directions or the various pieces of you would. Not a very pleasant thought by any means. So the king is angry. He says, all right, you're all a bunch of liars. Why do I even have you here? If you're supposed to be wise men, you're not doing your job, so I'm going to get rid of you guys. But apparently Daniel wasn't in the room that day. And as the chief executioner comes by to get rid of Daniel and his friends, Daniel says, wait a minute. I haven't had a chance yet. Daniel says, give me a shot. Give me time to see if I can get the information that you need. And what's important here is Daniel goes with, and he finds other believing friends, brings them together and says, let's pray. 
that God will show mercy on us by showing us what we need to know. And God does just that. Daniel makes a point of saying, I don't know this because I'm wiser than anyone else. I know this because I serve the God who knows all things. And so we have the dream. The king dreamt of a giant image. This image represents the idol of human rule over creation. In other words, this giant statue represents the fallen notion that we rule the world. It looks good at the top. It has a head of gold. But the foundation is weak. And as you look down from the head going down, the statue becomes made of progressively weaker and lesser materials. Ultimately, the feet are made of a very shoddy combination of iron and clay. And Daniel says, that was the dream, here is the meaning. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, your empire is great. It's the greatest the world has ever seen. But it will end. Your successor will be quite good. But that empire will end too. In fact, human history is going to consist of empires rising and falling, and there will be no empire immune to this. The final empire will be one of infighting and lack of solidarity. Just a little pressure at the base, and it will all collapse like a deck of cards. Now, as you all know, I'm a historian and I have always liked this passage. History is more or less the story of the rise and fall of empires, all ruled by mortal and fallible human beings. And they all eventually come to an end. And we should never be bound by collective arrogance and think that ours will be an exception. It will not. The United States... The United Kingdom, all nations will eventually fall to be replaced by others until the end. This passage addresses human arrogance, thinking that we can establish a rule of order in the world that will stand the test of time. We are not gods, and we do not have the wisdom or ability to do such a thing. Part of the purpose of the faithful in a secular society, as we see here with Daniel, is to pronounce this truth in love to those who are in power. You will not reign forever. You are not all-powerful. Someday you will be replaced. But there is another message to share as well. As the vision ends, there is a kingdom coming that will break the trend. But before anyone thinks and says, oh, it will be us, notice that it is a rock cleaved from a mountain without human hands. The other empires are part of a graven image, an idol, worshiping human achievement. I believe it is meant to look man-made, but the everlasting kingdom is not made by human hands.
It is the kingdom of God and it is coming and when it makes its appearance, it will level all that stands against it and will become a mighty mountain, an eternal power. The second message of the dream is that though human empires rise and fall, God is the true king and the coming of his kingdom will rock the world to its core. In other words, earthly governments play act as kings. The kingdom of heaven is the real deal. And Jesus is the true king. Notice that in all of this, Daniel never does become arrogant. He delivers the message that God has revealed to him. And the result is interesting. You would think this would seem like bad news to a king who is very much invested in the success of his kingdom. But Nebuchadnezzar has realized that it is all true. He declares God as the true God. He recognizes the sovereignty of God over all, including history. He praises Daniel and makes him and his friends the greatest officials in the kingdom. Through speaking truth to power, Daniel is in the position now to act as an ambassador of God in the greatest empire the world had seen to that time. Political upsets will happen. But the Christian response should not be surprised or upset by them, but merely keep them in the perspective of history unfolding as it is meant to. Empires will rise and fall. But when given the opportunity, we should also witness to the everlasting kingdom that is coming and in fact has already come in the person of Jesus to point others to the one sure and stable thing in the universe. Christ is king. His kingdom is coming. In fact, it is already here. And when it comes in its fullness, it will be the greatest political upset the world has ever seen in the best possible way. Amen. At this time, we're going to share in Holy Communion. And the way we're going to do this, I'm going to read the liturgy, and then Esther and I will stand up front, and if people will come up by row, and let's just start with the front rows first, and then work our way back. There's no pressure to take communion if you don't want to, but they are the sealed packets like before. You'll come, and I'll hand you one, and then you can sit down, and then Esther and I will break bread and pass the cup to each other up here. And that will be when we can all take communion together at once. Let us join together as we celebrate Holy Communion today. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David, God of the priests and the prophets, 
God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers and our fathers, God of our children to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with all your saints, especially those whom we have named before you this day. And since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. table has been set, come as you are.
body of Christ is broken for you. For our last song, uh, if you're comfortable and wish to, I always think this is a good song to stand up while you sing, but it's up to you.
Gracious and loving God, as we depart here today, we pray that your guidance and protection go with us. Lord, in this coming week in the election, we just pray for your will to be done as it is in heaven. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful people like Daniel who will speak truth to power. The truth that although kingdoms may rise and fall, yours is the kingdom that will come and that has come in the person of Jesus that will have no end. And we praise you and thank you. Ask that you go and be with us and bless us till we meet here again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.